Welcome back to the Footnotes podcast, a podcast of Study the Great Books. I am your host, Jacob Ali, and today we'll be adding another note to Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. We introduced this wonderful book last time on our first episode of the podcast, and now we're going to continue to offer some little thoughts about this great book. So the first thing you need to know is that this book starts off at Christmas, Christmas in Camelot, which that seems appropriate, being a alliterative poem to have Christmas at Camelot. Nonetheless, it is Christmas at Camelot, and the reason that's important to the story is because this story is through and through a Christian book. Uh, although we do not know for sure who the author was, we can certainly say this, it was somebody who valued Christian faith and piety very much, and he means to tell us a Christian tale. And that tone is set for us by placing the beginning of the story and really most of the story at Christmas time, even though it takes place at two different Christmas times as we go through the story. Uh, nonetheless, as we uh, get into the story, we do see the lords and ladies of Camelot celebrating and feasting and making merry at Christmas time. They are singing and dancing and eating and playing games and laughing and up, having a great time. Uh, but there's no no secular Christmas here. This is a Christmas that is about the birth of Christ and taking great joy in that. Well, during the midst of their uh, enjoyment, they are greeted by a magical guest, a tremendously large man who is shining all in green from his hair to his skin to his armor to even his horse glowing in green. And he is a tremendously mighty looking man, uh, handsome though he is described to be. And as he comes in amidst the court, the entire court falls silent, aghast, looking at this uh, creature. And the book tells us, the poem tells us, that he is a fae. A fae is uh, where we actually derive our term fairy from, although we think fairy nowadays, we think of little pixies with wings and you know short skirts, and that is definitely not what they have here. Fae simply means a magical person or a creature. So for instance, one of Arthur's greatest enemies in the Arthurian legends is Morgan la Fay, and she is a great witch, a sorceress. So uh, that gives you kind of an idea here, but this magical man, comes into the midst of King Arthur's court, and he comes holding in one hand an axe, and in the other hand a bundle of holly, two kind of symbols of opposite things, the bundle of holly symbolizing peace, the axe symbolizing war, but he assures them that he brings the holly to let them know that he really isn't there for war, but he does come to issue a kind of challenge, and it's a dangerous challenge indeed. So the Green Knight tells how he has heard stories of Sir of King Arthur and his Knights of the Round Table, and he has heard that they are the bravest and truest knights in all the land of England, and so he would like to find out whether that's true. And so he offers them a reward and a challenge. The reward is they may have this beautifully, finely crafted axe and keep it for their own if they will take him up on the game. The game, however, is that they may take that axe, and they may strike him as hard as they please, wherever they please, and as soon as they're ready uh, to do so. Uh, the catch is this, that a year later, he will return to them the stroke they gave him uh, just as they gave it to him. And so, of course, this, this challenge seems like madness <laughs> for a lot of reasons. I mean, these are these are King Arthur's knights. These are the knights of the round table. These are all able-bodied, uh, very capable men 
whom if they are given an axe and free reign to chop upon somebody who will do nothing to defend himself, well, it's going to be pretty effective. In fact, they're going to put that man to an end. And so the, the challenge itself seems crazy because all these men are thinking to themselves, well, surely if I take him up on this challenge, he will never be able to return the blow that I give to him. And so as they stand there kind of quietly pondering this bizarre man and his bizarre challenge, they become rather quiet. And in the midst of their quietness, the Green Knight uh, takes them for being terrified to take up his challenge. And so he begins to mock them. And he says, and this is in the 14th stanza, What is this Arthur's house? said he thereupon. The rumor of which runs through realms unnumbered. Where now is your haughtiness and your high conquest, your fierceness and fell mood, and your fine boasting? Now are the revels and the royalty of the round table overwhelmed by a word by one man spoken, for all blench now abashed ere a blow is offered. So uh, he calls upon their manliness and says, where is it? <laughs> you all look like a bunch of cowards, unwilling to take my challenge. And he mocks them, uh, hoping to kind of goad them into taking the challenge. And of course, it works. And the first person to be uh, angered enough to action and really the first person who has the right to respond to this green knight in his court, of course, is King Arthur himself. So King Arthur, uh, it says, uh, after the green knight has spoken, the green knight uh, says, the poet says, with that he laughed so loud that their lord was angered, the blood shot for shame into his shining cheeks and face, as wroth as wind he grew, so all did in that place. Then near to the stout man drew near the king of fearless race, and said, Marry, good man, tis madness thou hast, and since folly thou hast sought, thou deserves to find it. So Arthur steps up and says, Give me your axe. <laughs> I will give you exactly what you're asking for. But he does this in anger. And so here's the point, and I think this is very much the poet's point. This is indeed foolishness. This is indeed madness. Uh, to to take an axe from a green glowing magical man and strike him down uh, in anger. And no one really ought to take this challenge. This challenge is, is foolish um, for there's no reason to cause harm to another person. Uh, and nor if, if by some means does this man survive what's about to happen to him, would there be any reason to allow him to take retribution upon you over such a silly game? And yet Arthur is uh, indignant and he is drawn in by his pride to take up this challenge. And once the king accepts the challenge, the challenge really kind of has to go through. And that much is obvious. But it occurs to one of Arthur's knights, uh, a knight by the name of Sir Gawain, that to take such a challenge is really beneath his king. This isn't really something that the king should be uh, involved in or risking his own well-being in. And Gawain, in his own uh, humility, offers himself in the king's stead. And he pleads with the king to allow him to take his place and to do the honor of this challenge. So uh, in stanza 16, Gawain says, Would you, my worthy lord, said Gawain to the king, bid me abandon this bench and stand by you there? so that I, without discourtesy, might be excused from the table. And my liege lady were not loth to permit me. I would come to your council before your courtier's fair, 
For I find it unfitting, as in fact it is held, when a challenge in your chamber makes choice so exalted, though you yourself be desirous to accept it in person, while many bold men about you on bench are seated, on earth there are, I hold none more honest of purpose, no figures fairer on field where fighting is waged. I am the weakest, I am aware, and in wit feeblest, and the least lost if I live not, if, if one would learn the truth. Only because you are my uncle is honor given me. Save your blood and my body, I boast of no virtue. And since this fair affair is so foolish that it no wise befits you, and I have requested it first, accord it then to me. If my claim is uncalled for without cavil, shall judge this court to consult the knights draw near, and this plan they all support, and give with crown to clear, and give Gawain the sport. So Gawain steps up and says, my lord, this is a foolish challenge, but it's a challenge that now must be accepted. So let it be accepted by, by me. Um, and Gawain kind of goes on to kind of impugn his own value and worth and kind of a, a humility, so to speak, and say that, you know, hey, if I die, I mean, it's just me, but we can't lose you. You are the king of the whole realm, right? And I think it's a beautiful uh, picture of the distinction between the recklessness that is caused by the pride of Arthur versus the genuine courage and fortitude of Sir Gawain, who realizes now the challenge has been accepted, it must indeed be carried through, but it should not be Arthur who does it. And so knowingly, Gawain steps up and says, allow me to take your place, allow me to take this challenge, let me take all the risk so that you might not lose honor, but also not be engaged in such a silly and foolish thing. So it would have been foolish and wrong and reckless indeed for anybody to take this challenge. And indeed, that is the character of Arthur. And the more you read about Arthurian legends, we see that recklessness is kind of a key uh, quality that Arthur tends to have in many of his stories. But it is not recklessness on Gawain's part. It is courage. It is fortitude on Gawain's part. It is humility on Gawain's part to put himself between his king and danger and to serve him nobly. And so we see that he does just that. Now, of course, as he takes up the challenge, uh, Arthur essentially tells him, you know, if you give this man a proper stroke, he won't be returning one at all. In other words, kill the man <laughs> and there will be nothing to, uh, to take in turn. And yet, here we are, a magical green knight. And so as Gawain stops, uh, steps up to the bar and takes his swing, he knocks the man's head clean off of his neck. But the man does not stumble. In fact, the text says in stanza 19, neither faltered nor fell the fierce man at all, but stoutly he strode forth, still strong on his shanks, and roughly he reached out among the rows that stood there, caught up his comely head and quickly upraised it and then hastened to his horse, laid hold of the bridle, stepped into the stirrup iron and strode up aloft, his head by the hair in his hand holding. And he begins to, to talk, holding his head, he begins to talk and remind Gawain of his promise that he would in fact uh, need to come and find him one year from that day to receive the same blow that he gave. And so begins the story, the true story of uh, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, which is to say it's a story of bravery, of courage, of honor and integrity. Uh, and we will see as we continue to look at bits and pieces of the story that Gawain is challenged 
in every core of his being, every part of who he wants to be, the kind of man he wants to be will be challenged in this, uh, this tale. And so lots more to look forward to, more notes to be given. Uh, but for now, we see a great example of the recklessness of Arthur and the fortitude of Sir Gawain.